before the podcast ramble. There we go. So what's the plan? I can't hear you. <laughs> you Oh, okay, that's not my sound. Hold on. I can hear you now. <laughs> can you hear me? Yes. Yes, I can. Okay. I don't know what that was about. That's... I was asking you questions. You weren't responding. I was like, oh, okay. Don't know what's going on. <laughs> I was sitting there like, oh, uh, I guess he's going offline. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I was just kind of asking, like, what the what's the plan? Do you have a, a topic you want to go over? Or do you just, like... Yeah, sure. So, aiming for? basically... Um, the whole idea or like it started just because like um uh i wanted to kind of talk to other solo game developers out there and get an idea on how how they're getting it, how they survive how they make it work um uh and with you specifically i was like it was your um i was feeling like particularly low at a point where um i was like oh maybe i should just go and because uh, because the coronavirus and all this stuff happened, I was like, oh, maybe I should just park game dev and come back to it later. And then I was watching your video from uh, like two years ago, your marketing video, and it was like, just stick with it. You know, like I've been, you were saying like, I've been broke so many times. And, and I think like there are so many people out there in the same situations as me who are just like, you know, especially because of COVID-19, but uh, as solid game developers, um, and I'm a father of, of one and one on the way so you just hit these points where you're like maybe maybe game development just needs to be a part-time hobby do it on the side thing and then uh i'm also like i've been an entrepreneur i've been in, in startups i've had very little money and i've had you know i've made money so it's i've been through the ups and downs but every now and then you just hit that low and i feel like talking to people like yourself and other people that have pursued their passion their dream and and what makes them happy that's kind of the information we want to get out there and, and talk about. So absolutely. So this session will be around about like that, um, specifically about how you did it, what you did, like what works for you, what doesn't. Um, and then also probably cause you are fairly big on YouTube in the sense of game design. You have a lot of game design content, like <laughs> your content production is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like looking at it, like, Yesterday, two days ago, five days ago, seven days ago. I'm just like, well, five days a week. That's just <laughs> every day. Yeah, that's crazy, man. But it's all really good topic. So it'd be also good to swing in and talk about how, um, yeah, your thoughts on some game design topics um, and and cover that in the sense of a solo game developer. So yeah, yeah, I'll follow your lead. So wherever you want to go, I'm down for all that. All right, and it's pronounced Ruswick, right? Tim Ruswick. Yes. Awesome. Now you're also building um, uh, how do I pronounce it? Battle tactics? No. Battle barn tactics. Battle barn. I missed the barn. Although battle tactics sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> if, it, if it didn't have barn animals in it, I'd probably go with that. <laughs> battle barn tactics. Yeah, I was looking at Battle Barn Tactics, and it's legitimately the kind of game that I would be uh, really into. I'm really into my strategy, kind of like my my thought games. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go buy this. And then I was like, oh, damn, it's wishlist. Damn it. I want to buy it. <laughs> well, that's my hope, because I love strategy games, but I hate this crazy complexity of, like, 10,000 menus and all this shit. Mm. And it sucks. I, I'm trying to make something in the middle, because there's nothing out there that's, like, strategy and like ftl i guess is was probably the closest uh, into the breach is like too much to me mm. but like i'm trying to hit some kind of mid-market i guess people like me like strategy games but like i don't want to dedicate my life to learning them yeah know? yeah and i've seen like uh i've seen some trailers and stuff for it it looks very much it kind of looks like chess like a weird version of chess is that what you're going with it the kind of pitch for it is chess meets pokemon yeah. yeah, that's kind of like what it is. Um, although I'm not sure that's a good way to put it because I'm specifically trying to not make a game like chess because chess is an example of a game I hate. <laughs> <laughs> because, maybe this would be better for the actual podcast. Yeah, I'll, get into all this. I'll bring it in. All right. 
Uh, awesome. Uh, and before we dive in, is there anything you wanted to talk about? Any kind of things that you want to bring up? Like, we'll obviously bring up Battle Barn Tactics and your YouTube, but is there anything else that you wanted to talk about specifically? No, I'm an open book and I really enjoy kind of conversations with other people that are into the same things I am. So wherever okay. you want to go with it, we kind of follow it down. I awesome. Guess. All right, let's start. <laughs> Hello guys, my name is Kai Ashford Hadley uh, from Naked Devs and I'm here with Tim Ruswick, the creator of Battle Barn Tactics and also master YouTuber. You're just like, content produce is ridiculous. <laughs> master YouTuber. I would <laughs> say been that. called that before. Yeah, Put it, stick it to your title. <laughs> we'll um, go with that. And, uh, and this is Solo Game Devs Podcast, uh, where we meet other solo game devs around the world, uh, especially during these crazy times where we're all locked indoors. So, um, Tim, let's jump straight into the first question. Uh, Battlebound Tactics is on your wish list. It's uh, oh, sorry, it's, it's wish list available. Um, tell me a little bit about it. Tell me how it works. Um, so, Battlebound Tactics is a game. It's a tactics game uh, that stems from my love of other tactics games like XCOM. But it came about because I, I, I while I love XCOM and I love these really complex strategy games. Uh, I don't like learning them, and mm. it, it, there's so many games that I just haven't played because I look at screenshots and I'm just like, that's going to take too long to figure out what the hell all those menus mean. And it's like I want to, I, I really, really enjoy strategy games, but like, you know, I, for whatever reason, I, I don't want to invest the time. So I'm trying to make a, a strategy game that's like interesting and deep, but at the same time, like very approachable and very casual. Mm. And uh, like some of my, my best memories as a kid are playing the pokemon card game with my brother we used to go to pokemon tournaments all the time and pokemon is a is a fantastic example of a of an approachable but deep strategy game right yeah. like it's 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 very easy to understand but it's it's very deep when you want to get into it there's a lot to like get into and so this game is kind of that it's kind of we were talking before but it's kind of like chess meets uh pokemon in a way so that's yeah. kind of where we're at so do you collect uh other barn animals in the similar way to pokemon yes so that's one of the cool things about it is every unit in the game is capturable for your team oh, cool. uh and so all the units do different things they have different move patterns they have different targeting patterns uh, and then they have different abilities and stuff too um and any unit including all the bosses are capturable through kind of our whole little capture system and the cool thing about this is it's a it's a procedurally generated roguelike in in the sense that like it's a run-based game, so when you uh, capture a unit, that unit then automatically unlocks uh, for your next run, so you can start your next run with that unit as part of your oh, team. Oh, I see. Uh, and yeah, it's kind of like you, you. It's kind of like Pokemon with permadeath in a way, <laughs> where it's like, like once your unit's dead, it's dead for that run. But like capturing other stuff gives you a chance to like play through it next right. run. Right, and so each run really you, can, you progress further and further. Is that right? And you unlock different things. Uh, I, I think it's. I mean, yeah, because you'll get, you'll learn the units better. You'll learn, you'll gain access to more units. You'll gain access to more utility. Um, I, I'm trying to make the game like it's, it's a soup, like it's called Battle Barn Tactics, right? And there's a bunch of barn animals, and the, the art is very bright and cutesy. Mm. So I'm very cognizant of that. I'm trying not to basically make the mistake I'm trying to avoid with like <laughs> game of <laughs> Stellaris, which I love very much, but it's just, there's too much there. There's too much. It's yeah. too much, right? And it's just, crazy and so i'm trying to trying to peel that back a little bit to where technically you probably could beat the game on your first run if you if you know enough about tactics and and that kind of stuff but i'm also building it in a way where the fun and the the long-term uh, engagement of the game doesn't come necessarily from scale it comes from really crazy synergies hmm. uh or really unique uh you know uh, unit types that kind of feed off of each other yeah. Uh, so different teams can give you a completely different experience. Yeah. Yeah. So it comes from that that collecting and that growing with the combination of your team as an experience, not necessarily just how quickly can you beat the game. Um, right. And so what like uh, what made you go to Steam? I, I remember in one of your YouTube videos, you're talking about you launched your your previous game on itch.io, and this time you've gone to Steam. And and the from what I can see of this game, it looks very kind of suited to a mobile platform so um, i might be 
wrong here, but like, tell me your thoughts. You're insulting my game. How dare you call it a mobile game? I didn't say that. It, it, it does. That, that's feedback I get quite a bit. Yeah. So why? But you ask you why Steam? Yeah. Um, Steam. Okay. So I I launched on itch. Uh, my last game, Philophobia, and that was more of an experiment. Well, okay. So I've learned a lot about myself. <laughs> this whole process <laughs> of solo gaming, though. and to be completely honest with you, if we're just sharing sharing our hearts here, yeah, let's open up. Um, I think I think there's a little bit of fear there. I really do. Like I looked at it as an experiment because everybody said, "Hey, you should go to Steam. You should ignore all these other platforms. Steam is the biggest. It's going to give you the most bang for your buck." And I said, "No, I want to go to Itch." But I think I wanted to experiment. I wanted to do that because no one had done that before. No one had like really like done a full scale like launch on itch like they had done on steam like everybody does it on steam but like nobody really does it on itch it's just kind of for game jam games or whatever yeah so i wanted to try that but i think deep down there was a, there was a part of me that that was saying like steam is for the big boys right and like if if i go there and i put in all of my effort and i fail it's going to make me feel stupid so like at mm. least if i go to itch then like i can kind of i don't know make like, whatever i do is going to kind of succeed there, yeah i guess yeah, like the bare, um, even if I get the bare minimum, I've still done good. Yeah, I know that feel. Right, on yeah. it. Yeah. So I, I do think there was some of that subconsciously going on because I think there was definitely like a fear of just going all in and launching on Steam. But also there was like a... That, that game was like my first commercial game. That game also took me four years. Uh, it was, it's a game called like Phallophobia. It's mm. about the fear of love. It was based on a breakup. It's got some deep, dark stuff. It's, it's a game where love is literal hell, right? Yeah. So it's like touchy-feely darky darky stressy bad stuff um and so there was like a there was like a barrier not only was it like the first commercial game launch right that's the biggest barrier for everybody like actually do doing the thing for the first time but then there's also like the this is all of my negative emotions and then on top <laughs> of that this is like the the ultimate creation this is this is like all of me poured into a thing and now people are going to choose whether they like it or hate it just exposing um, yourself and steam is steam can be toxic like steam comments yeah, can be harsh yeah. so you know there's there's just a lot going on man and then on top of that just like i was working on that game till the date the night night before mm. i launched the game with a game breaking bug i had to <laughs> ship a patch and then when i shipped a patch the day of uh to fix the game breaking bug uh, I I shipped the patch with invincibility mode. <laughs> I had to ship another patch to take out invincibility mode in the precision platform. So it was just it was a series of stuff. And I I'm although I do kind of feel like I messed with my sales a little bit doing that because then when I did launch on Steam, um, everybody already had the game right mm. in my audience. So yeah. and then and then Steam works on an algorithm too. So then if you don't get that initial burst, you don't get spread out to more people and that. Yeah. All that stuff. I do think I messed with my sales a little bit, but at the same time, like the game was not ready for Steam, man. It wasn't <laughs> even ready for like people to play. Yeah. But like I picked a launch date and I like did the best of my ability. Uh and you know, I did it. Yeah. And but that's like remarkable in its own right. And what I've realized when I speak to a lot of um solo developers, it's always a four to five year journey. And it's never it's never ready like right. it's, it's still not ready yeah yeah i agree uh like every time i've spoken to to anyone that, that i know of my my friends and an extended group of solo devs it, it's like five years later the game is looking really good and i've seen a lot of videos of, of uh Valphobia and um uh uh and it's it's a really really beautifully done indie game like um it just it's uh, I love the way that you do like the fog of war kind of effect as you drop and you reveal different things based on where your camera angles are and, and light. Um, and I think that's really beautiful. Uh, and it screams like every kind of like success indie game has this really nice 2d kind of, um, or like, you know, like, um, side on effect, like, uh, you know, um, or in the blind forest and, and so on and so forth. And I was like, oh, this is such a beautiful game. And I can't remember where I was going with this. <laughs> I'm tangenting on just enjoying your game. Um, I, I think distinctness is, is really, really important these days with marketing. You know, like yeah. you have to, someone has to be able to look at your game and not confuse it with another game. Like if, yeah. they, if they look at a screenshot of your game and it's possible to confuse it with another game, 
I think you're going to have a hard time marketing it. I also think like you, it needs to be gift worthy. Um, it needs to be something that you can chuck up that people can look at and go, Oh, that looks that, that gif was interesting because most in like most solo game developers, our best channels other than some, like other than yourself, we have 40, uh, 50,000 subscribers on YouTube. Our best channels are like Reddit and Twitter and we're competing against everyone else that's on Reddit and Twitter. So (laughs) if it's not stunning from a gif perspective, um, it gets really hard to push through what is already, uh, what everyone else is doing. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. Cause like I went through after I launched Philophobia on itch, I started working on a, a game called cypherpunk, which was a stealth hacking roguelike. And I spent nine months on that. And then in January, I had to go back to Philophobia to get it ready for steam and build a bunch of menus. And like, I added a bunch of features and stuff. Uh, and then when I, when I got done with that, I was like, I, I started looking like really thinking about a launch for cypherpunk right and i realized that like when i put it in a gif um or even it actually came up in the trailer but then it also came up with gifts like i had to record footage of the trailer and i'm just looking at it, i'm just like this looks amazing like the feedback i got on the game all the time is like this looks amazing but i don't know what the hell's going on <laughs> so mm. like as an artist i feel amazing but then i started realizing like as i'm trying to build these little clips it's it's not gifable because the game itself is not clear enough on what it is. Yeah. And after nine months of just kind of, uh, the way I approached that game was so weird because it was just kind of like, let's figure it out, right? It was yeah. different than like any other game that I started before. I usually start like I want to make this, but with that game, it was like let's kind of follow it down the rabbit hole wherever it goes. And as a result, it just got really messy and muddy. And even though it looked interesting in a GIF, it's it's not clear what the game is yeah. when you look at it and so i think that part is super super important and that's a big contrast to like battleborn tactics where it's like well, with a gif you get the game yeah you kind of you just get you get what it is you can imagine all the other stuff your brain can fill in all the other holes just yeah. kind of seeing me move a dude on a chessboard yeah right? like in you seconds just, you get it yeah especially because yeah. the the effect that you do and i think it's a really good game feel effect you demonstrate the attack um with an icon as well and it, um, yeah. and in that immediately, that feedback, you're like, oh, okay, there has been damage that's happened because there's it, it looks like a swipe or it looks like an attack, um, and so that you don't need any more information. You don't need you just you've moved him, he bobs, uh, the effect comes up, and it's like, oh, some damage has happened. I, I get yeah. That. <laughs> and now, granted, nine months working on Cyberpunk taught me a ton about that kind of stuff, right? The yeah. direct feedback. I, it was so painful to watch people play my game on video because they did not know what the hell was going on or where to go or what to do. And it's like, that affects me as a designer, right? Like it makes yeah. me, it makes me like cringe and like, oh no, they like, they, they're trying to play my thing. They like me. They enjoy my stuff. They want to play it, yeah. but they can't because yeah. this game is just not good at teaching them how to play it. Yeah. it's uh, So I went opposite end of the spectrum with this new one. It's it. It's like linear learning curve, right? Like it, you know, making sure that they're learning, uh, they under like they learn something new and they they reinforce it and they learn something new and they reinforce it. As long as that goes linear, right. they're able to absorb the information and it becomes um, fun, addictive, that kind of stuff. The second that it's like a steep learning curve, you'll get people that go past it. I mean, look at Eve Online, right? <laughs> like, right. Oh, oh, dude, Eve Online is another one that I just like. I want to play it so bad, but I. I can't even comprehend it. Yeah. Uh, no, but cypherpunk taught me, it kind of gave me the perspective I have now of like, I was so, I was so after like depth and strategic depth. Like I wanted to make a good strategy game. I've always enjoyed strategy games. I've, I wanted to make like a, a game that just really required thought and just, you know, uh, strategy really. And it just, I focus so much on depth that I've, forgot about the usability part of it yeah and i forgot about that if if people can't understand it and play it they'll never get to the depth yeah right yeah they'll never get there and i they got reinforced too because like i was also at the time i was teaching my girlfriend all the card games because i've been a big card game fan and like i (laughs) we used to play Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments i used to play magic the gathering i used to play all this stuff and we're going through each card game and like I, I teach her Pokemon and it's like, oh, we had so much fun. She got really into it. We were buying decks and everything. 
I teach her magic. Okay, she she kind of gets it. It's not quite her thing, but you know, we're getting there. And then I pull out my Yu-Gi-Oh decks, and I'm just like, I'm sitting there thinking, like, okay, I have to explain ten thousand things. Yeah. And then they got this X Y Z summon. Yeah. I was just gonna say X Y Z summon. And then and then so you can pull out a guy from this other deck that's not here, and then these guys pull out these guys that have this word in their name, and it's just like. I just quit. I was just like, you know what? Let's stick to Pokemon. Yeah. Right. And, and like that, that right there, that experience kind of like taught me like she enjoys strategy games. We had mm. fun, mm. but because of this barrier that this game has created it, like someone like her will never enjoy that. Right. And mm. like, honestly, I wouldn't even enjoy that if I didn't start with Yu-Gi-Oh at the beginning when none of that stuff was there. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yu-Gi-Oh was when really none of that simple. Stuff was in the game. It's like traps and yeah. summons and you just got to have a higher number than their number. Like keep it easy. And oh, I that was one of the reasons I liked it. And then just you watch it for 10 years and it's just now it's stupid. You've got these turns yeah. that take a half hour because they can do this all this crazy stuff and it's yeah i mean that's, yeah. Just, that's anyway so you see that with like every game like world of warcraft like or you know vanilla wow which has now been re-released and then you look at all the expansions and because people go well i finished vanilla wow what's next and they go oh, okay cool we'll add in like some extra stuff and we'll add in a whole element of pokemon that so now you can capture these these animals that help right. and you see this because games um effectively we we hit this point where we just want to keep it's the same as tv actually as well it's like we just want to keep giving back to our to our fans and our audience um and that's why you see in tv they have like season three is four and five and by the by the fifth season you're like oh community you should have stopped at three um (laughs) so (laughs) yeah no i love firefly but i that's one of my arguments with fireflies i I feel like i love it so much because it got one season yeah Yeah, like if i was watching season 16 i would have been like okay this show sucks now yeah (laughs) yeah i think like yeah unless your formula to like the simpsons or, or disney they have a formula and it doesn't really change and you watch the thing, and you go, okay, this is just right. another Disney show, and I'm watching it for the exact same Disney experience, just in a different setting. If you stick to that, right. it kind of works. But um, yeah, I think one of my favorite shows of all time is probably Stargate SG One mm. uh, because it was so formulaic, right? You've got these guys, and then at the beginning of every episode, they go through a portal and they experience something, and then they have to solve some problem, and then at the end of the time, they go back through the portal and everybody's home alone and everybody's good. Yeah, uh, and that they just stuck to that for like thirteen seasons, and season thirteen I think is is, is just as interesting as like the earlier seasons because they stuck to the formula. Whereas something like Supernatural, yeah, I don't know what the where the hell that <laughs> yeah. show went. I was really into the whole monster hunting thing, yeah. and then like season five, there's these leviathans and this crazy stuff, and this guy's really the devil, and like. I yeah. just, <laughs> I'm gone. I don't know what's going on yeah. anymore. Well, Game of Thrones did that. So, you know, <laughs> season one stuck to the formula. <laughs> season two broke it. Season three, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, I never got into Game of Thrones. So ah, okay. I, I, a lot of people have told me about it. Yeah. I mean, for, sticking to a formula, I think, is a really, as a, as a developer, I, I, I think, especially a solo developer, I've realized it's actually quite strong to, oh, no, not strong, but it helps you speed up your development because yes let's say you build an fps game and you release it and get i don't know 10 people if you then go and build another fps game well you've already learned from your first one so you've already got a formula that you can refine and stick to just like you did with your with your cyberpunk strategy and now you're going to yet another strategy game like You've, yeah. you've evolved that formula. Not that you should just, you know, forever be strategy or forever be FPS, but it really does help speed up your uh, progress in development and understanding your audience and just by moving from, like, sticking within the same genre for a period of time. Right. It could be really boring artistically. Yes, though. yes. <laughs> but it's definitely... I posted a video recently about kind of my plan for my game studio because this is something I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, and I've, I've, it, it took, I've made 30 some games now in total. Mm. Um, and I've released one commercially, uh, Battleborn Tactics will be my second commercial release. And so making all those games, like it, it made me realize that there is kind of a genre I gravitate towards and it tends to be strategy, but mm. at the same time, like it's, I also seem to, I'm not good with longer projects. I just yeah. like at nine months, Cypherpunk was just like 
I'm done with it. I don't want it anymore. Yeah. I'd like literally get it out of my face, right? And Final Fantasy was four years. So that was like the ultimate end of that get like just I am so done with this thing. You're just crying uh, so, inside. Like <laughs> yeah, really, like and I literally cried on stream plenty of times when I was about to launch. Yeah. Like it it's just it was too much. So like that's kind of like it took me doing all of that to kind of figure out where I fit and now kind of my my plan for for my game studio now is like I want to make small scope turn-based grid-based mm. semi-casual strategy games. Yeah. That's and that's I'm doing that now with Battleborn Tactics and after Battleborn Tactics I want to use all the stuff that I create and maybe create a, a new thing that's similar to it yeah. in in a similar timeline. Uh, but it can be bigger and better because I'm using yeah. the original games of base. And I want to do that two or three times, and I want to see kind of how that works out um, and see if it can, one, hold my attention, but two, like if I can build a business out of it. That's it. But I think that's there's a bit of interesting, like... Um uh ability not ability but like there's something really interesting in doing that because you start to learn exactly what your audience want exactly and you've developed a, an already established following it's like well we're just doing this and we're going to get really good at doing this you know and if you look yeah. at blizzard blizzard kind of did that with warcraft and starcraft like they released a strategy games and then they just released more strategy games until they yeah. expanded um and so once you do that, not only do you pull this following along and then your next game is a lot faster in development because you already have established code and uh, and if it's clean code, it's a lot easier. <laughs> you can just chuck it in. But yeah. you then like learn how to create what, what I call the Disney formula, which is that thing that just works. People love it. Chuck it out there. Do another one. Like Eventually, um, yeah, like you said, it does get a bit stale <laughs> so I, I think aesthetic is super important to me and so kind of like as i'm imagining like this because it's called battle barn tactics right it's got some bright colors and it's got some barn animals but like i'm already kind of getting bored with it uh on my ipad i've been drawing like mechs and stuff and starships and i've been like on pinterest a lot looking at all these aesthetics and like i'm already thinking like okay I want to make the same game, but like in space, mm. I want to make the same game, but with like with customizable mechs, right? Like instead of picking up the pig to get the pig's abilities, what if like the enemy mech drops its, its gun and then you can put that on your mech, right? That's like true. I'm already thinking of things like this. So as I'm building this, like I'm, I'm trying to build, I'm trying to be true to like what the game is, because like you said, it, it kind of looks like a mobile game. It, it aesthetically, it's got, the aesthetics are important because it's the entryway to the game, right? So yeah. it sets up a series of expectations on what you're going to get. And it would be, I think it would be a mistake for me to like put super hardcore strategy into the game that like is bright and colorful and looks kind of um, childish in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, like this is the core building block of a mech game or a tactics starship yeah. game, right? It's the same stuff. Yeah. But it's just going to look different. Uh, and I, I, I think I can make that work as a business. I don't have proof of that yet, but I, I think I can pull that off. Uh, I think so. I, I'm When it comes to business development as a serial like startup kind of guy, most would have realized that success in business is just time. <laughs> like, Especially because yeah. there are some yeah. businesses out there that I look at and I go, how did you, how do you survive? But over time, you just... You just learn through your mistakes, you develop an audience, and it, it just grows. So as long as you put enough time in it and it's still passion for you, it will it will work, I have no doubt. But I am... Yeah, no, I, I've shared the same thing. Sorry to cut you off, but like I 100% believe that. That's like my life philosophy. Uh, you said, you were talking about my YouTube videos. I post mm. five YouTube videos a week. I post one Monday through Friday. And the reason I do that is because, like, I've seen all the people in, in, my, in my niche, right? Like, all the other game dev YouTubers. A lot of them pass me up in subscribers. A lot of them have better content than me. A lot of them have these flashy, edited, beautiful videos. A lot of them have, like, very distinct and, and very condensed content. That's not me, though. The mm. one thing I can do, though, is I can put out five of them a week, yeah. <laughs> right? They're unedited. They're, un they're ugly but nobody can compete with me on that end right yeah. like that's the that's my edge over them and yeah. i'm looking at it the same as you is like every day i do that i get more people that follow me and that's it's it. only a matter of time because i'm building that number up over time yeah. and it's it's growing so i just keep doing the same thing over and over yeah well you know mr beast right the youtuber 
Yeah. Yeah. So he he actually had this post. I, I can't remember how old it is. It's quite old. Uh, and he talks about that exact thing. Um, and he goes through for like, I don't know, three years or four years, a long time where he only had 2000 followers. Like he had this yeah. insignificant amount of followers. Um, another one actually brought in Japan. Uh, he, he did the same for two years or a year. He just had this low amount of subscribers. Um, and then, you know, one or two posts hit, boom, jumped up to another like 10,000, boom, up to 100,000, you know, posts went viral, like, um, and it went massive. And then Mr. Beast did something very clever where he just took all of his money uh, and then gave it to one person randomly. So they got like $10,000 and $100,000. Because especially when I was going through your content um, as well, and I was looking at your videos, admittedly, I haven't watched them all. There's a lot. <laughs> I think most people haven't watched them all. It's it'd be kind of hard to do. I've watched I've watched a lot, um, and I, I noticed that the one that had the most uh, views uh, out of the ones that I could see was your topic about um, phallophobia and and how much revenue you made from it. Um, right. And this is something that came up in a, a thing with Miss Beast as well. When it comes to content on YouTube, specifically YouTube, people like hearing about money on youtube yeah. <laughs> that's like, if you just talk about how much money you're earning or whatever the case may be as a youtube channel or put that out there people want to hear that for for whatever reason um i think it's extra important though because because one of the reasons i do that, and i'm going to share my steam revenue soon too that video is coming up but like yeah like as a as a content creator obviously that's the best kind of content you can put out because everybody wants it but also as a one an entrepreneur but also as an artist an artist entrepreneur which is like <laughs> yeah it's a scary thing to say right <laughs> you're both if you're an indie game developer um there is vastly differing expectations on what to expect from like mm. making a game right mm. you got people that are coming to this and they know like hey it's going to be five years before you make a dollar and it's going to take a lot of work and it's a lot of technology and it's a lot of learning and then you got people like well i'm going to make my first indie game and i'm going to sell it to microsoft for five billion dollars just yeah. like notch did yeah and it's like there's it's crazy so one of the reasons why i wanted to share revenue is because like for one like i wish i wish someone would have been able to give me an accurate picture of like what does that look like yeah. what, what is actual what 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 did you do and then what were the results that you got right but then also like part of it is like to kind of calm down these expectations and i don't think my the things that i do maybe is is typical of what like everyone else can do because everyone else has different skills and mm. all that stuff mm. um but like i i i'm big on that like i want to help people kind of um taper their expectations not taper but, like kind of gauge better and kind of where their direction is and kind of what to expect and how oh, much yeah. work it takes and all that yeah for sure I used, I used to be a uh video game lecturer right and so when i'd have my students come in for the first year they'd sit down they'd tell me about how they're going to build the next mmorpg blah 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 that was the, exactly the first thing i said when i went to uni right the very first thing i went to uni into game development uh into game design i was like yep i'm gonna build an mmorpg just like world of warcraft make millions and millions of subscriptions and I just sit there and I go, yeah, that that's not going to happen. <laughs> and they're like, well, you don't have to kill my dream. Like, I don't want to kill your dream. I want you to have the passion. I just want you to understand that right. the road is long and it's hard. And the hills that you have to climb as a, as a game developer is massive. And that leads me on to a question that I wanted to ask you, which I've been very, very interested in. You, uh, So you and I have very similar backgrounds. I... Um, I'm a game designer, but I also went heavy into marketing. I had my own marketing agency um, and then stopped that and then started being a marketing manager for a few companies after I had a child. Um, and you did too. What I want to know, the, the, the things I want to know is, what first, what got you into game development and how are you surviving? <laughs> like, like, how do you <laughs> keep yourself afloat through building 30 games and taking yeah yeah just how right. uh okay so what was the first part again what, I'm got, sorry. what got you into game development what got me into okay so let's start with that and then we'll go to the kind of how i'm surviving um i've been making games since i was a kid uh, it was something i've always loved to do like right along with my pokemon cards i had a notebook that like was about my card game and the card game i was making and i would take the pokemon cards 
and i'd be like well what if what if we put them on a grid right and then we did like you could only attack like the back row or something like that i was always like inventing stuff like that uh but what stopped me was everybody around me said tim you got to go get a real job okay you got to go to college yeah stop messing around with those video games and stuff those aren't going to get you anywhere so i had it drilled into my head that like i could it just wasn't feasible and i i even tried like i didn't want to go to college but like my dad always told me like you're not going to be anything unless you go to college like this was just that was playing over and over in my head so like i went and i found a college that like did uh game and simulation programming which i went for but like three and a half years in, I was just like, this is, this is stupid. Like I'm, I'm able to do this more on my own than I, I made, I've made more games than my teachers at this point. And it's just, it's stupid to like go here. So I dropped out six months from graduation, kind of just as like a, a rebel move, hmm. like, ha ha dad, what now? <laughs> six months from graduation, like I dropped out. What are you going to do about it? Um, but then also just kind of like, it's just, it, it just it didn't make any sense to me and i was at the time when i dropped out i had i was working on this engine called fps creator um which had come out which is by the game creators and it was basically a drag and drop fps engine which blew my mind at the time because i was like i was really into halo mm. and the fact that i could just drag and drop my own levels and make this game was really really cool but one of the things i hated about it was because it was a drag and drop engine you couldn't really make your own thing you just kind of made a different version of their assets right they had pre-made hallways and stuff and you only use their space always and so i started poking around the engine i started realizing like all of their assets have these similar script files and they have these similar like stat sheets and all this stuff and so i built a program that would allow me to import my own assets mm. uh and then a bunch of people requested it so i actually put it on sale um and i've talked about this a bit but like the first time i sold it i sold it for five dollars and nobody bought it. Yes, I remember uh, this. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, continue. <laughs> and then, like, later on, like, I did research and marketing. I read a bunch of books. And then I was like, okay, well, what if I sell $30? And then I did. And then it just it blew up. And I made a ton of money doing mm. it because uh, everybody needed it. But, like, apparently they thought it was bad at $5, but they thought it was good at 30 So, yeah, that's perceived uh, value. That blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. That was like, wait, this should not work. This yeah. doesn't make any logical sense. Like, what is going on here? This yeah. That really, like, yeah, I the, think it really got me interested in marketing. This is sure, like because I was just like crazy tangent, but there was this uh, company, this this lady who was selling fake jade, uh, and she did a sale where she reduced the price to like ninety nine dollars or something. But she uh, she was she didn't write it properly, so it looked like it was. I'm I'm just paraphrasing the story, but it looked like it was nine hundred and ninety nine dollars, not ninety nine dollars or something along those lines, and she sold out at that price. Because people thought that the fake jade must be so real, like so so close to real jade that uh, that they have to buy it um, because real jade's more expensive. And uh, yeah, so perceived value, things that people look at. If you have something that's at a val- like at a price that you think is fair, but everyone looks at it and goes, "Oh, there's no way you could survive from that." So. Why would I? I'm not going to give you that money because it's probably bad. It's crazy, man. The, I don't know if you saw, but XCOM Chimera Squad just came out. Uh, and I'm a super XCOM fan, right? I love XCOM. I have lots of hours in XCOM. It's a $60 AAA game. Hmm. They come out with this game called XCOM Chimera Squad. And it launches at $20, yeah. which is suspicious. But then it launches at $20 with a 50% off discount. Yeah, and I was like, "Wait, what?" And like, as a super XCOM fan that would have spent sixty dollars, I did not buy that game because that made me suspicious as yeah. hell. Yeah, like, what's going on here? What yeah. are you doing with your twenty dollars and fifty percent off game? That's it. Uh, a lot of devs don't get that, man, and it's sad. It's sad that like I, I still have not bought Chimera Squad, mm. uh, and I'm an XCOM fan. I just feel something's wrong there. I yeah. don't know what it is. Yeah, it's but like... it's just like. You put the value so low because you're you you're trying to lower my expectations. Is that what you're trying to do here? Like, right. Yeah. Like my first thought was like we were talking about mobile games. Like my first thought was like, oh, they're gonna release it on mobile. They just want to get some Steam money first to yeah. do that. Yeah. Like that was my first thought. Whereas like if they would have did it at sixty, it would have been all right. Bye. Yeah. You know, it's an XCOM game. Yeah. It's clearly. It's, yeah. it's weird how the psychology works of that. It's fascinating though. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same as like how we perceive numbers, right? So it's just like you know, instead of putting a whole number like forty dollars you put $39 just because whole right. whole numbers just seem so much bigger than than like 
uh, yeah, whatever you call non-whole number. <laughs> um, it's so anyway, like uh, yeah. that whole thing kind of got me on a tangent off of marketing, and then I learned to deal with the. Um, so you started a, your own uh, marketing development company. Yeah, yeah. I well, so my my dad knew somebody in LA that um, owned a property development company, and they needed people to do websites and marketing. And I was like, well, I can do that. I did this for this. Check it out. I made my program. And then they hired me. But like suddenly that they had like 18 properties and they needed like websites for all of them. And they needed SEO for all of them. And they needed all this stuff that I had no idea how to do. Yeah. But I was just like trial by fire figuring it all out. Yeah. And then like when I did, I like that was a fantastic kind of springboard because now suddenly like anybody I wanted to get as a client. I have like 18 things in my portfolio to show them, right? And yeah. all these different properties and stuff like that. Um, and then every time somebody asked me if I could do something and that I didn't know how to do, I would just be like, yeah, of course we can do that. Sure. You need, you need ad AdWords. We'll figure that out. You need Facebook ads. Sure. We could do that. And yeah. I just like grew the company that way. Just like taking on a bunch of clients with stuff I didn't know how to do. And then I figured it out. And then, I got to a point where like now I don't have to figure it anymore because now I'm making enough from clients that I can like hire other people to do it. So now I just became this like client liaison really mm. um, that just got really good at talking to people. Um, and that kind of led, and then I sold that company in 2015 uh, and then got super depressed <laughs> because not only did I, I hated the marketing company cause it just got too, mm. it was just, I just, I don't know. I, and I was, I didn't really understand the concept of saying no to clients either. Yep. Like I thought like if somebody offers you money for something, like you just got to take it. Right. Yep. And then you, so I was selling like the, the one that I remember was like supplements to like insecure, like teenage girls, right? Like <laughs> weight loss supplements and shit. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is not what I want to do with my life is make some poor chick feel so insecure that they buy fucking weight loss supplements. Yeah. Right. Like this, it's stupid. I was good at it. But I fucking hated it. Yeah. And so it was just like, so after I sold the company, like it felt the breath of fresh air. But at the same time, it was like, uh-oh, what did I just do? <laughs> like that was how, that was like my whole life. And now it's like not here anymore. Uh, and so I went on this epic, huge, long road trip uh, where I just drove across the country. And wow. I stopped everywhere I always wanted to go. And on like, it was amazing. But at the same time, like it was just like, I was soul searching mm. and uh, after like, I think it was, it had to be like six months to a year. I like remembered that like, Hey, this thing that I used to get joy out of, I don't do anymore. Yeah. Make video games. Right. Like I used to, that was the, my favorite part of my whole childhood. And I just had stopped doing the thing that I loved. Why, why was that? Cause somebody told me I couldn't. Yeah. Uh, Be, and that, so like, I did. <laughs> that's exactly what everyone that's, that happens all the time uh, in game development and across most um, arts fields is someone says you need to get your shit together and yeah. the story I hear it, from everybody from from you from Peter Dinklage uh, uh, um, from all these actors and, and these arts uh, arts people is they went you know what no this time I'm going to follow my passion and by following your passion it leads to things that genuinely mean something to you and it you're happier. Right. Even if you have no money, you're at least happier. Like, Well, I think there's something to say about the not following your passion at first too, right? Yeah. Like doing the thing that everyone else says you can do because then you really viscerally learn why you shouldn't yeah. and why you right all along and you really understand that. And so you have the confidence when someone says, no, you should go this way. You say, no, I shouldn't. I don't want to go that way. I've been that way. And like, I didn't have like there's such a sense of self-worth and self-confidence that just like i'm i'm listening to these other people because i don't believe in myself enough to listen to me yeah right yeah but by going through that whole path and realizing they were wrong all along anyway and that like i you know this whole process like i should have just been doing the thing that i loved uh it teaches you to kind of trust yourself a little bit yeah. like you you were right you 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 were on the right path but at the same time like i can't say i would undo my whole marketing journey either because dude as an introvert like being forced to like i had severe phone anxiety when mm. when someone would call my i would have like a heart attack and and a lot of times i would have to silence the phone and i would have to email the person mm. um like stuff like that i was like incapable of like interacting with humans and that's kind of like where i was and so like 
you get in a situation where you got to pay the bills and the only way to do that is to like talk to people and meet with people and like and then convince them to give you money yeah right yeah uh, it's it's pretty good at like you know kind of breaking you out of your shell a little bit and it took a long time but like everything that i've learned there has transferred over uh fantastically to to game dev oh yeah for sure we we actually had a similar journey so i built a game um tried to release it made no money and then went uh why didn't i do why didn't i make any money from my game and went oh it's this thing called marketing how does that work and then i i then went out and went to this like local uh this online it's kind of like craigslist but yeah equivalent of craigslist for a show do you have gumtree america yeah yeah cool so it's gumtree i went to gumtree and i just emailed all these people who said they're like looking for a marketing uh looking for someone in marketing i just emailed every single one of them said hey yeah i do marketing um uh and then they called me in and they said can we do like a an interview and and for a job and i was like oh i'm looking at starting up my own agency so maybe we look at it in different perspective oh yeah sure do you know adwords do you know any of this i was like sure went home yeah i just like like, (laughs) so i ended up with like 13 uh 13 different clients um uh and part of stopping it and and getting you know a real job um was because I had a I had a baby coming on the way and with these 13 clients like you I didn't know how to say no so I had these people calling me on Sunday and yeah. every, almost every Sunday I was just like working till midnight you know someone would need oh. something or or they didn't understand how SEO worked or AdWords worked and like, why haven't I got any clients and I go in there and I show them their leads almost every week um, but that knowledge of marketing I think if you're ever going to go off on a real job and not focus on being a solo game developer marketing is a very good real job to go like (laughs) do (laughs) i mean okay i'm very mixed on it because like exactly what you said with the client thing yeah made me hate life oh yeah it made me gain 50 pounds it made me dread it it, i i think um you know i'm self-diagnosed i don't know but i i think it gave me a form of cptsd sure uh with uh, association of like the the phone yep. ringtones yep. when I would wake up and stuff like that uh it was terrifying and like when I when I look at my life now um I work maybe 4 to 5 hours a day mm. uh, my phone never goes off of silent yeah it's like it's I don't even I come to it when I want to interact with it yeah uh it's very chill and like I never check email <laughs> yeah and yeah. I've lost a lot of money by never checking email let me just say that <laughs> like there is a ton of money in my inbox especially like when it comes to YouTube and people always want to sponsor videos and stuff like that yeah. it's just but I hate it I hate it so much I hate I hate it and I realize that the like I spent so much time focusing on the money, trying to build the company. And, and I realized the money was never really the thing that I wanted. Yes. The money was the thing I thought I needed. Yeah. Right. Like I, I thought I needed it to like buy the lifestyle that I wanted. And I, but I think it was like the four hour work week and a couple other books that I yep. read where it was like, it kind of painted the picture of like, no, you don't need to be a millionaire to have a relaxed, chill lifestyle. Mm. You just need to be able to pay your bills in a semi passive way right like that's not that doesn't require a constant time for money exchange yeah um so what do you do now that kind of changed my perspective like how do you is do you earn enough from youtube to survive like how do you keep yourself afloat now as long as you're comfortable saying yeah no no totally so um in the beginning there was no revenue so like two years i spent so when i when i went on my road trip uh what i ended up doing was um it was like Mother's Day and I was in like New Orleans and my mom was in Florida. Uh, so I was like, all right, I'll just I'll head there for Mother's Day. And then I got here and I hung out with my mom and I just. It was a breath of fresh air because uh, I was just like, you know, I had spent like the last five years just hustling and grinding so hard. And then just to come home to like somebody that legitimately like loved me. It's just like, yeah, yeah. Sleep on the couch till two. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, do you know, yeah. it was just like, wait, what? It was just like. It was like it helped me like decompress and then i met my girlfriend nicole and then i like started hanging out with some of my friends from high school because i went to two years of high school here mm. in florida uh and i was just like and then there's like the beach and i was like oh whoa like life doesn't have to be super anxiety stressful right yeah. 
Yeah. And then so I, you know, I had a little bit of money from selling my company and stuff like that. So I just kind of never left Florida. And then I was in the advantage position of having all of these clients in LA paying LA prices. Hmm. Uh, Cause like I had still, I had a huge network at that point. So even though I sold my company and I sold the clients, I still had people calling me like, you know, a uh, couple weeks, every, you know, just a couple times a month, somebody would just call me up and be like, Hey hmm. Tim, I need this. Do you know anybody that does this or whatever? Yeah. Um, so, you know, like rent in LA was like $2,800 a month. Uh, rent in Florida was like a, a third of that, right? Like my entire living cost in the Florida is less than my rent was in LA. Wow. So like, but the prices that you can get from clients are reflect that, right? Like it's much higher. Like it yeah. wasn't crazy to get five, $6,000 for like a simple website. Like it was yeah. that people would just expect that. And given Florida living costs and LA client costs, it worked out really, really well for a long time. Because <laughs> uh, I was just like, this seems kind of broken. Like, I feel like I'm cheating the system here, but like, you know, it's, yeah. it's working. Um, so I did that, but then like, I didn't really maintain it. So the clients just kind of Dwiddle twiddled down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then as I was doing that, I was also doing YouTube uh, and YouTube was slowly growing. Right. Um, and then, so I launched uh, Patreon. I started going on Twitch. Now, um, this past year or two, uh, Patreon, and so between Twitch and YouTube, I make probably three, four hundred dollars a month, something like that. So it's yeah. not much at all, like yeah. just from ads. Uh, Patreon is a is a bigger chunk, but it's not all of that combined is not enough to quite cover the costs. Yeah. But with Philophobia launch uh, with a big chunk there and um, various things that happen, like I sell T-shirts or whatever. Um, and the big chunks from the game sales, it, it, it's close. It's not quite there. It's not quite sustainable, but it's close of like making X amount of dollars per month and then making, um, big chunks that kind of fill in the gaps, uh, with the game releases. So I'm not quite sustainable, but but soon with savings and with all of this stuff, it's, it's been, I've been lucky enough for the past year to just devote my time full time to, Uh, YouTube and to game dev. Yeah. 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 That's awesome, man. Like, and I think, uh, I think that's it, right? It's just like, it takes a lot of steps before you get into a position where you can just devote all your time to it. But if you just take those steps, however fast or slow you can, then you'll get there. You'll reach that goal. Right. And that's awesome. I'm like, yeah, it, it takes a it people are not prepared i think that's one of the biggest things in in both starting a business but also in game dev is like it really is just time it's just time you have to give yourself the time to figure it out like i posted a video a while back called let yourself be a beginner Hmm. and people they don't like to do that in art they don't like to do that with content creation they don't like to do that with business Hmm. they don't want to let themselves be a beginner they want to quit their job start a company and then be self-sustaining that's not how it works no like there's a lot of stuff that goes into that and and you're going to fail a bunch but every time you fail you learn a little bit mm. uh and y- you're eventually going to fail it till you nail it you that's know it. Like, that's it that's it it takes the time yeah i always say it's either time or money or both so if you have time yeah. then you'll get it done if you have money you can pay people to get it done if you have time and money then you can get it done quicker <laughs> like right pick one of those two all right, so I'm going to go into this thing called the debug round. It's a series of short, random questions for you. Um, they're all a little bit weird, just warning you. <laughs> I'm down for weird questions. Let's do it. All right, so here we go. Is cereal soup? No. Okay, why not? Because it's not hot. Ooh. Is there such thing as cold soup? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that seems weird to me. Is a hot dog a sandwich? That's that's exactly the, the, that's the question. Um, what's what's a secret conspiracy you'd like to start? Uh, aliens are the creators of the human race. Done. Awesome. Oh, I'm, I'll start another hashtag. Hashtag aliens created. Awesome. Uh, what's the most ridiculous fact you know? Um. I think the fact that I can't think of a fact is a fact, and that's ridiculous. It's such a hard question. Uh, 
in 40 years from now, what will people be nostalgic for? Uh, the good old days of social media before it ruined everybody's life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. I reckon, especially on that tangent, I reckon with uh, when we start getting things like Google Glasses and more AR, like <laughs> social media is going to be really heavy. Yeah. And you'll be walking. Back in my day, we could turn it off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in my day, we didn't have uh, contact lenses that showed us your <laughs> Facebook status. Um, all right, if animals could talk, which would be the rudest? Uh, duck. Why? They are evil. <laughs> really? They're just. I almost got attacked by one the other day. They're just. You come near them, they stick out their wings. They will run at you. They're vicious. <laughs> I guess we have chilled ducks here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the ones here look like the mutant zombies. They have like these red faces, and they're like evil. Oh, and they hiss. We which have, is terrifying. We have nice little brown ones. Um, <laughs> in one sentence, how would you sum up the internet? Uh everybody's thoughts whether they're qualified or not mm. oh that's deep that's good <laughs> all right uh how many chickens would it take to kill an elephant 117 <laughs> the specificity a specific <laughs> of that answer set like it's not a not 116 like it would just be one off for being able that's to... how many it takes yeah i gotta i gotta give accurate answers here that's it uh what's something people miss uh, seem to misunderstand about you uh people think i'm trying to be a guru and really i'm just trying to build a community of people mm. uh, because i've lived my life alone and i like to I want to build a community of people. That's really all I want. Like, I don't really care about anything else except for building a community of like-minded people that want to help each other out, do the yeah. things we love. Yeah, that's evident on your Discord. That's so evident on your Good. Discord. Good. Like, I when I do not your... the YouTube comments, maybe because I read <laughs> some of those and I'm just like, these guys don't get me. <laughs> but yeah discord i agree is a good culture and re i think we've captured that vibe a little bit yeah i think so when i when I, um when i'm ever on your discord i actually forget sometimes that it's has a relation to your youtuber and you as an individual because there's just so much activity on there left right and center that i i'm just like in this entire really beautiful ecosystem your discord's amazing and I, I try and keep it that way not to get on a tangent but like yeah. yeah like a lot of a lot of youtubers have like hey guys i posted a new video hey guys i did this hey like they but i'm really trying to build a community of game devs and as a result yeah. like i don't want to tag everybody 18 million times about all my stuff that's it yeah no i love it all right what's something you're curious about right now um the depth to complexity ratio of strategy games <laughs> yep okay it's fascinating because there's like a sweet spot where you've got a deep interesting game but it's not complex whereas like you can it's always easy to add depth by adding complexity but by finding a good ratio where it's deep enough but it's not complex and hard to learn it's it's fascinating to me and i've been experimenting with thousands of ways to do it yeah i love that uh what's something you failed at I think it'd be an easier question to answer what's something I haven't failed at. <laughs> Literally, I've failed at everything. That's what my entire YouTube channel is about. It's yeah. like, hey guys, I messed some shit up. I broke some shit. Here's what happened. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I was going to say, I was just going to reference your channel because I remember uh, the moment that you just talk, you're just like listing out your failures. I'm just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's so good. All right. Um, and what's something you regretted saying in this podcast? That's the last question uh nothing yeah, i've i've learned nice. to i've learned to really be open and honest because i think we, we live in an age of of social media and fakery and just this perception of people's highlight reels and i think we need to be a little more open that's why i share my revenue and that's why i share yeah. you know stuff that nobody wants to talk about because i think openness and honesty and authenticity is really really important and we don't get enough of it yeah that's actually something and, and to jump onto this that's actually something that i've noticed it's really really evident when it comes to people who are solo game developers we're 
just everyone that I've spoken to were just open. It's just ask any yeah. question, you know, like um, for me, you know, I, I have a child who's two and a half and I have one on the way. And a lot of the time people would go, aren't you worried about like you have to provide for them. You have to keep the house going. And, and I am. There's, there's every day I'm probably thinking, shit, I should go get a job or maybe I need to get uh, I need to find like a more sustainable income or or maybe I should do something different. Um, but also I'm happy and I'm home with them and I get to be there and my wife can yeah. go off and work. And like so there's so many other different things. But I think open and honesty is really like evident in, in speaking to solo game developers, which is great. I hope that doesn't change as I talk to other developers and they're just... Yeah, <laughs> no. I think creative people in general tend to be more open with, with how they feel about stuff. Um, and I just... Uh, that's one of the things I enjoy about game dev is it's like this great intersection between these wonderful, brilliant creative people and then these entrepreneurial-minded uh, folks that just... it's It's kind of got this, like bright and hopeful energy that really gets me excited to get out of bed in the morning right and then that coupled with like the just hey let's all help each other and share everything we learned um it's completely different than something like what i used to do where it's like i want to do this and take business away from them and it's like it's yeah. it's a it's so win -lose toxic instead of a win-win yeah, yeah. It, My... it's a bad way to look at life have you if i don't know if you've ever been onto the business uh business or entrepreneur reddit subreddit um but like, yeah, it's so, it, you know, if you swap between that and the, the like game dev subreddit and the game dev subreddits, everyone's like, hey, share your progress. Let me know everything that you're doing. Everything's great. In the entrepreneurial subreddit, it's like, don't you dare mention your, your business at all. <laughs> it's like, you know, if you do, that's it. You're banned. Yeah. Like, get out of here. Uh, it, it, to a degree, like they obviously allow some. All right. My last segment is called early release. And basically... You, you've been tasked to come up with an idea of a video game that can be built in a weekend. What would it be and how would it play? Um, I've done this many, many times. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think I'm equipped for it. Right now, the idea that I've been obsessed with is uh, a tactics game with uh, customizable mechs, which I, I mentioned. It's, it's mm. something that I've written down. Um, either that or I'll, I'll give you another idea that I haven't brought up. One of the games that I want to make at some point that I think would be pull off in a weekend is um, a game where you assemble uh, robots, but you assemble them from pieces that have their own AI logic, and then you connect those pieces. So, for example, um, if there's a sensor that's it's a proximity sensor, and you put it on your robot, then you you drag and drop a wire from that to the gun, which would make the gun fire every time oh. something comes into proximity. That is and you cool. build robots that way where like they're completely autonomous and then you put them in an arena and they fight somebody else's robot. Yeah. Where you don't actually touch. Yeah. Um, so that's something I've been like really obsessing about. Um, and it sucks because like that's it sucks being in the middle of development because like I have a thousand ideas I want to jump on but like I got to stick to the stupid Barnett <laughs> <laughs> and get this get this over with then I can do all the cool robot mech stuff yeah oh that's awesome that reminds me there's a game on I think it's on Steam as well as the, uh, mobile but it's like a AI robot game uh, but you program all the AI commands inside I think it. I've played that yeah, yeah. it's kind of like that but like more more tactile you know dragging and dropping the wire on and sitting right there. That, right i know because i used to do this thing called uh sumo bots which is basically the same thing but i used yeah. to build actual robots that you put them in a ring together and their whole goal is to push the other one out of the ring yeah and i used to have so much fun with that yeah we we had it called robot wars like that's what yeah was, that's yeah. that's the hardcore version of it that's yeah you give them weapons and stuff <laughs> yeah yeah uh, <laughs> i never got that crazy but yeah i mean i always been fascinated by stuff like that yeah. all right uh if you could nominate two people or one person if you can't think of two that should be on our podcast at some time in the future who would it be and what question would you ask them uh two people or one i say two but uh, i would definitely say you should talk to jonas tyroller i'm a big fan of his uh, and I would ask him, when will you snail is going to ship? Because I've been excited for that game. Um, I also think, uh, 
No, I, I'll just go with Jonas. That's I think awesome. Jonas is a good person to talk to. Yeah, I like doing this because I like hearing who you you kind of look towards and you look at uh, as someone that you get inspiration or information from. Because um, it's such a like awesome thing to be able to go, you know, yeah, I've reached this point in my life, but there are people that I look at here or even, you know, cross next yeah. to me, like that I learn from and I absorb information from. So, yeah. It's really weird how your your perspective on those type of people change, though, too, because like definitely the people I looked up to a couple of years ago are not the same people I look up to now. No. Uh, and you, t you you learn to value different things, I guess. And I, with Jonas specifically, I really value his uh, his openness and honesty, like we were talking about. And uh, yeah. I've talked to him for a long time, and it's I really enjoy his videos. I really enjoy his content. I really enjoy his energy. And uh, I I appreciate when people can just be open and authentic and share the things that they think, and also, you know, put those things into a way where they can help other people like this podcast right yeah. like it's gonna it's gonna lots of people are gonna hear it and it's gonna help somebody out somehow that's it right and that's the that's why i started it also to help me uh, like as an individual just because i'm a solo game developer going through all of this it's just so good to talk to other people and go you know what i can do this we can move forward uh, now it gives you an excuse to talk to people too. You're like, "Hey, do you want to be on my podcast?" Instead of, "Hey, do you want to talk to me for an hour?" <laughs> it's, I've used that on YouTube plenty of times to yeah. like, talk to people. That's it. It's All great. Right. Before I go, so as you can see, there's a nipple sticker on my computer, right? I uh, like yeah. It. yeah, I started this um, charity uh, or non-for-profit organization ages ago. Um, uh, where we'd send physical nipple stickers to people and it was meant to be breast cancer awareness. Uh, now, it, it did really well. It did so well that I couldn't actually afford the um, postage. So <laughs> I stopped doing it because postage from Australia is insane. Um, especially when I'm sending to America and uh, it was like $3 a post and I was like, I can't do this. Um, so... Wow. But what I'm doing on my podcast is I'm giving away for every every person that's on here, you, you get one sticker of your choice. So these are the three choices you have. Um, yep. I like the shiny one. Done. All right. It's yours. So awesome. I'll be sending that in the mail to you. And uh, yeah, you get our, our signature <laughs> nipple sticker for our podcast. I'm excited now. You should have told me that earlier. I would have been on this podcast ages ago. <laughs> and then I got a nipple sticker. I didn't think I'd lead with it. It's, <laughs> comes across a bit weird. Maybe you should. Maybe it'll change the results. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it with jo jo Jonas. I'll be like, hey, you'll get a nipple sticker if you come on my podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tim. Yeah, it's been awesome time. having you on here. Um, yeah, it's been fun. And everybody, go check out Battlebound Tactics. Uh, Wishlist it. Make sure that you um, and join, uh, follow, like, subscribe. Tim's uh, uh, YouTube. All the stuff. Click all the buttons. Yeah. Go to Discord. Check it out. Join the group. <laughs> like, just everything. Just absorb every social oh, yeah. media. That'll be awesome. Thank you so much, it was man. Nice talking to you, dude. Yeah, you too. No problem. All right, I'll talk to you soon. See ya. Bye. <laughs>